Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Dear Mary, my spouse and I have had threesomes, two females and me, a couple of times. I would like her to have sex with a man in front of me, but she declines. She has seen me with several women having sex and she says she enjoys watching. Any ideas on how to approach changing her mind? Dear Mary, I'm writing this letter as I'm at my wit's end. I've been with my partner for three years and we've been living together for half of that time. He suffers with bad breath and is always clearing his throat or coughing and spitting. I'm going mad from the noise of him. Tell me, Mary, what should I do? You've just heard a sample of some of the thousands upon thousands of letters written to the Sunday Independence agony aunt Mary O'Connor. For 10 years, Mary has advised and guided a nation on everything from unhappy marriages to troublesome teens. And the Sunday Independent is now compiling a feature of Mary's most notable advice. I'm Denise Callanan, and today I'm joined by agony aunt Mary O'Connor, who takes a trip down memory lane for us as we look back on a decade of advice. Mary, you're a sex and relationship counsellor, and for 10 whole years now, you've been a helping hand for so many. Is this largely a blessing or a burden? Oh, I find it is a great blessing. I actually stopped uh, working in, in the practice in the Albany Clinic where I was for many, many, many years, uh, I decided I wanted to stop while I was still really enjoying it. And I was tremendously lucky because just around the same time I was offered the Dear Mary column. So it was um, it was a continuation. And I find I'm able to go into um, my sort of my own mind, what I'd done with clients, what I'd come across over the years to draw on that while I'm answering the response, uh, the Dear Mary queries. Mm. And and have you noticed um, a change in people's queries or in their letters or appeals for help over the decade? They haven't changed all that much in the, in the time that I, since I started, I guess because people are always the same, you know. So um, I did notice more men write to me now than than would have come to me in the clinic. Although men were usually fairly good, but they're they're they've become very vocal now, and they're able to get in touch with their emotions much more than, or maybe on the written page anyway they are. Whatever it is about about speaking speaking it out. But um, I'd have as much men writing to me as women, if not a few a few more men than women, a, a bigger percentage perhaps. Um, Mary, when you're answering these questions, when you're in communication with with these people, does it do their queries? Do they change your own perception of life and how you choose to live yourself? Um, 
no, I'm, I've always lived by by the sort of principle of trying to be kind to people. I try and put that into my column as well. I mean, sometimes you get get queries uh, or get stories rather than queries. You get stories about just how nasty people are being to each other, whether it's their in-laws or their partner or their kids or whatever. And, you know, you think you get one shot at life. You should try. If, if you're being that nasty or if somebody is being that nasty, they must be very unhappy within themselves and they must come from an unhappy background. And I really don't see the point in that. So, no, I've always lived by the principle that I, I want to. First of all, I've always enjoyed helping people. Um, and I feel that the the older I get, the more experience I have. And so, therefore, I can give hopefully some people the benefit of, of my of my experience but no it hasn't changed how I deal with people and over the years Mary is there one letter that has stood out to you the most or perhaps affected you the most a lot of them affected me I mean when they're when they're really sad I'm stuck with them for a couple of days I can't get them out of my head but the one that stuck in my mind the most was one that I I got right at the beginning maybe it was in the first three weeks of of dear Mary starting 10 years ago and it was from a guy and it was just because he went into he wrote me pages and pages and he went into such detail and it was all about he was gay and he was very firmly gay and enjoyed the the uh, gay lifestyle um was very fully homosexual and he met somebody called Mary at a, a taxi rank one night he was dressed in full leathers and they shared a taxi home Anyway, long story short, they got to know each other and he'd fallen in love with Mary and they were now being fully sexual. And he 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 just couldn't understand where did this leave him, seeing that he was he was now gay. He was gay and now he appeared to be having no interest in men anymore and was totally in love with Mary. And I've often thought, you know, it was a very interesting letter. He wrote it beautifully from his heart. And I often think over the years, I wonder what happened with himself and Mary. Yeah. Did it continue or did he go back? Or You know, I mean, it wasn't particularly sad. I mean, some of the sad letters obviously stay with me a lot. But that's just the one that I, because I suppose because it was right at the beginning and because he was so he, he was so um, vocal in all of his thoughts and open to everything, you know. Dear Mary, please help me. I'm trying to get my wife to lose weight and exercise because she looks like somebody heading for a heart attack. She's very obese and only 5 foot 3 and almost all the weight is on her stomach area. I still find her beautiful, although I know she doesn't believe me, but I'm really worried. We've a few kids and the weight gain started with the first pregnancy and seemed to get worse with each child. Any advice? Do you think, Mary, when you're picking somebody's letter, are you trying to pick an issue that you think will affect many people or are you trying to pick an issue that you feel maybe somebody needs answered with more urgency than others? Yeah, I try. I try not to, unless it's really serious, like, you know, uh, uh, somebody contemplating taking their own life or being that bad. <clears throat> I try and just answer them in um, order of when I got them. So obviously some will go by the wayside then and I won't I won't get to answer them at all. But no, I, I for instance, if I've been writing about um, mothers in law, uh, I won't do that then for another number of weeks, even though I might have got in a fair few letters about mothers in law because something has sparked them off. So I try and have it buried. And this is why in the in the booklet that's coming out next Sunday, I had to go back over all of the ones that had been printed 
thankfully not all the ones that had been sent to me, but all the ones that had been printed and tried to pick two or three from each year. But I tried to get them varied then as well. You know, there wasn't all on one topic. And, and I think we got a fairly representative group in the end, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And and when, when you communicate, when you re- reply to somebody with, yeah. with advice, Mary, do people ever get back to you or do you ever have more communication? Does any, has anyone ever written to you more than once? <laughs> um, <clears throat> they usually write, very rarely will they write and say thank you. Um, occasionally they'll, well, very occasionally, but I have had emails from people who totally disagreed with what I told them and they they couldn't agree more. Uh, they couldn't disagree more, I should say. And and they, they give out to me. Um, for I, I, One woman I remember wrote to me and she was really furious at me. But I noticed that she had also written to the Irish Times and to somebody else as well, whoever other did a, a column. She was obviously trying to get somebody to agree with with her point of view. Um, I've had an occasional letter um, from from people uh, thanking me uh, and occasionally I'll get somebody saying you know I I agree with what, what you said I had a similar situation I got one about two weeks ago from somebody who said you know this isn't for publication but we had the exact same uh, situation as you described in, in as was described in last week's and I just want to say I agreed with your with your advice because um, that's what we did and blah 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 mm-hmm. uh, but meanwhile in the same in the same week I had two emails from people totally disagreeing with what I said so you have to get a fairly thick skin you know and yeah. just stick to your own principles yeah And and Mary, you have spoken about, you know, you did get one letter in particular over the years and you feel like you replied to this woman with the question that she had, you know, mentioned. Mm. Basically, this woman had 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 non-consensual sex with a colleague and she fell pregnant and she was wondering whether to tell that colleague that he was a father or not. Mm. And that was the question you answered. But afterwards, you, you kind of thought about that because there was a big public reaction to it, wasn't there? There was, there was, and that I should have, I should have tackled the what was in effect rape, um, and I, you know, I took on board everything they said, and a few people were, were as you say, very vocal about it, and rightly so. Um, I had contemplated answering the sexual thing, but I had felt that in the space that I had in the newspaper, if I were to go down that road, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it justice, and also mm-hmm. I wouldn't have answered her queries. I suppose, you know. Um, it, it's debatable. But I I wrote somebody wrote to the editor and and it was published and I wrote my re- response. So I took it on board and of course it would make me more aware, I suppose, that have what I was saying earlier about have have you explored every angle of this case before you answer it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because it's it's a big responsibility if you if you think that you know you've around a million readers. Um, I I always remember many years ago, uh, I went to a fortune teller and she told me that I would be writing and I'd be read by by millions of people. And I thought I was going to have all these bestsellers. <laughs> <laughs> so she was right. But it was it was dear Mary. <laughs> oh, you thought you'd be the next Marion Keys, Mary. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, whether whether it is whether it is biology, emotion or relationship, sex seems to be a big topic 
you know, of conversation and a large, yeah. a large amount of the letters that you have received in relation to sex. Have these, has the topic changed over the span of 10 years? Are people requesting different advice now from you? Yeah, I guess there, um, there are very few actual dysfunctional queries, you know, like it would be, you know, I've got premature ejaculation or, or the uh, the big one, which always was vaginismus in Ireland because it, there was a huge amount. I don't know if there still is. There probably is because people don't change. Um, but those sort of letters haven't, uh, don't come now. It's more about the quality or the quantity or the lack of sex, sex life in their relationships as opposed to actual dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know that's why that is, but that's how it is mm-hmm. right now. Maybe people are seeking help more. I mean, when I started counselling, people wouldn't even, would they would be terrified of going in. Uh, I worked in MRCS in Grafton Street and they were afraid to be seen going in the door. And that was for relationship counselling because it was so, you know, a taboo subject that you'd even seek any help. And that was just for relationship counselling. So then when sex therapy came along, I mean, there was a huge, there was a, there was a big need for it. But, you know, people wouldn't talk about it. But now they'll, they'll talk more openly about it. And, yeah. and there's ads, well, in, in America anyway, there's ads on all the time for, you know, all the, the various helps that people can, can get mm-hmm. medically, medication they can get for ED or for PE or whatever it is. Dear Mary, I was in a three-way marriage for many years until my husband passed away late last year. He was a kind and loving husband who looked after me in every way possible. We were great companions and shared similar interests. He had very few male friends, only one guy who was an old neighbour of his. This man, who we should call Joe, is a great character and I had lots in common with him. I discovered my husband and Joe were having a sexual relationship a few years after we got married. Michael, knowing he was dying, was concerned about me coping on my own after he had passed, and he suggested that myself and Joe could marry as we were good friends. It must be reassuring in a way, Mary, that people are actually still seeking advice from the experts and not, you know, referring to Dr. Google all the time. It must be nice to be able to help somebody and and know that they're taking your advice on board. Well, I don't know whether they take my advice on board or not. But at least they do write. And uh, and I'm particularly struck by um, some people write actual snail mail. You know, I mean, they write on their little piece of paper and they post it and it goes into the independent who sends it, send it on to me. And I mean, that's much that's much more difficult than going on, just going to your computer and banging off a letter, you know. So I'm I'm very glad that they do. And um, I long may it continue you know but they do yeah and it is it is nice that I'm able to at least give my point of view that's all I can do they can disagree or agree with me but um I'm giving my point of view but it's based on an experience of years of working with clients you know and you have written about um recently and I'm quite interested in this you've you've spoken about how you believe porn is grossly affecting the way people view sex and relationships today what are your thoughts yeah. on that, Mary? Well, it was it was um, towards the end of when I was when I was um, seeing clients face to face, and I began to notice that the young guys, and there would be young guys coming to me. I mean, they were coming to me as young as seventeen, um, paid for by their parents, which I thought was wonderful. Um, I began to notice that they were that porn was becoming a very much a part of their lives, and. Uh, 
so they would you know they would be there with their uh, their computer watching porn uh, and using it a, a, as an aid to masturbation and um it it's first of all it seemed very cold and calculated and I kept thinking well what's what's happening to their fantasy and then their fantasy is getting in, involved with these perfect women or men or whatever the sex they were um, and getting an unreal scenario for what they should expect of their own bodies and of their own relationships and uh, and of the women's bodies and uh, that's that's the bit that I felt was was not good and um, that there's an overemphasis on the porn Another topic of the day, Mary, is COVID. You know, we've had this global pandemic that a lot of us are still living through. We're not out the other end of it yet. Sure. No, I know. Do you think COVID has affected people's issues and lives? Um, It certainly did for those two years, for sure. And um, being a nation of drinkers, everybody was drinking more. I mean, it's part of our culture, I know. But, you know, everybody's drinking more. Um, People were together 24-7 uh, and in the letters to me anyway, it was people who were now back in the family of origin home because either they were, you know, they had to go back home or they were working from home or they couldn't afford their apartments anymore. A number of things. And so um, it it definitely had an effect. And um, I think everybody would, would say they had to query their relationships and they had to, you know, set out new parameters that you know to try and get some space away from each other especially if you're living in a very small place or if you're as I say back in the the family of origin but you know uh, there's there's a palpable palpable sense now that you know uh, even on the radio programs it's not on anymore you're not hearing so much about it you're not waiting in dread for the next news headline to know how many people have died and how the numbers have gone up I think you know the 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 natural optimism will start coming up again and I think the the only only good little thing is that we can appreciate things that we didn't appreciate before that we took for granted we took for granted going out with the girls for a night definitely do you think there's a generation in particular Mary that will suffer long-term social effects from the last two years I suppose it depends on what happens with them in the next couple of years certainly the you know the the where you should be like in college or starting a new job and and meeting people and going out that sort of group certainly suffered and then the very little ones you know the little ones who were homeschooled for two years when they should have been out mixing with their peers with the six seven eight year olds just so that they could learn the, the the skills that you sort of naturally get as you're as you're as you're growing up um so i but i think like socially the, the, the teens and the twenties and the ones who haven't got any responsibilities yet. Mm-hmm. They were they were the hardest hit, I think. Um I suppose a massive part of people's social life during COVID may have been dating apps. Um and it's yeah. something that people might be relying on now as well to meet new people. Do you think dating apps have affected people's attitudes towards sex and relationships, Mary? I don't know is the answer. Um I've spoken obviously to loads of people um who've used dating apps, just friends and and people I meet. And I, I'm in the golf club. Some of the ladies in the golf club use dating apps. And, you know, they've been great stories and they've been awful stories. So <laughs> uh, I I think it does it does cut through a lot of the, the dress. I mean, when you, if you meet someone in a pub, what do you know about them anyway? 
you know, yeah. if, you, if just this random stranger starts chatting to you, at least in on, a, on an app, you can spend maybe some time getting to know you unless they're pulling the wool over your eyes. So I don't know. Um, I I had a, a, a friend in, in, in the States and she's widowed and she was on a dating app and she she would tell me some hair raising stories. And the the last one she told me she she's off the app now because she got fed up with it. But she she had met somebody. Uh, at least they they met up in a in a in a bar restaurant sort of thing and had a drink. And she realized very quickly he was not for her at all. And uh, they sort of only spent about a half an hour. But anyway, the following week she had dated somebody else in the same bar, and there was the guy, the original guy over just near her with another woman. And she said <laughs> she was mortified that there she was trying again and he could see her but you're so was he but you sure know, so was he yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know it's certainly it's certainly an aid it's an aid to uh to meeting somebody and uh, of course in covid you know um there it was the only way wasn't it Just yeah people talking and meeting and so it's anything is good it's it's what happens at the next level is would be interesting to know you know um mary just coming towards the end now, and I'm interested. I'm interested in your response here. If you could offer one piece of relationship advice, or one piece of life advice to the listeners, what would it be? Mm. Um, it would be to. It sounds like an old chestnut, but to communicate, you know, and to communicate with each other before the rot sets in. You know, if somebody is building up building up resentment inside them because something is about their partner or relationship is going, driving them crazy. You do need to address it early on rather than let it fester because what will happen then is there's a big row and it's about something totally different because he or she has been building up this resentment and suddenly it spills over and awful things are said then and, and you know, uh, which were not would not be necessary if at the beginning when there was a small niggle it could be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I just think generally communication is is what it's all about. Mary, you're certainly full of stories. And I'd say the stories in your file are just worth something special. Do you, <laughs> do you think you would ever write a book? Oh, that's a, that's a thought. I'll, I'll ponder that on my next walk. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, thanks a million for your time today. Okay, you're so you're, good for joining you're us. You're very welcome. That was Mary O'Connor, the Sunday Independent's very own resident agony aunt, and her collection of letters will be in this week's Sunday Independent. I'm Denise Callanan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Siobhan McGuire, researched by Katie Flannery, and sound by Gavin Hennessy. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and give us a review.